Tomorrow is Halloween, and I'm dressing up as Han Solo. I can't wait to walk around as Han Solo and say things like, you're all clear, kid. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Why do we dress up on Halloween? I'm a 44-year-old professor, for crying out loud. What's wrong with me? I'm going to three different Halloween parties this year on three different nights. What's wrong with us? It's so fun. Well, that's what I want to answer on today's episode. Why do we love Halloween? What do you say, Paulette? Sounds great. Do you want to talk about the history of, of Halloween for a second? Sure. Any idea when it started? 1800s. Uh, that's a good guess, but it's much longer. It started about 2,000 years ago in Western Europe. What? That's crazy. There's a lot of theories about where it came from, but the most plausible theory is that Halloween originated from the pagan Celtic celebration called Samhain. It's pronounced, it's spelled Samhain, but it's pronounced, I think, Samhain. On October 31st, 2,000 years ago, they sacrificed fruits and vegetables <laughs> in order to do penance for the sins of those who died in the previous year which allowed the souls to rise up and pass on to a good place. And these people left food at their doors to encourage the good spirits to come and visit. And they slaughtered animals and wore the animal skins to scare off the bad spirits. So you can see kind of the beginnings of costumes, right? Mm -hmm. And when the Roman Catholics arrived in Britain, they tried to eliminate pagan traditions by making November 1st All Saints Day, which celebrates all the saints who do not have their own day of celebration. So this is a thing that all Christians and Catholics did was they would they would try to, you know, like Christmas was originally a pagan holiday. And so the Catholics tried to impose a new holiday on top of that to stop the pagans from celebrating their, their pagan thing, right? And Halloween was, was the same as that. Uh, but the locals kept, kept celebrating Samhain anyway. So when did this come to the United States, do you think? 1700s. Close. During the massive Irish immigration in the 1840s, it came to the United States. The Irish also brought the tradition of mischief and vandalism on Halloween. Do you know where the word Halloween comes from? Um, Hallow is like holy. That's right. Ween from weenie. From weenie? Yeah. So holy weenie? Holy weenie. Holy penis? Holy penis. The name Halloween comes from All Hallows Evening or the Night of the Hallowed Saints. Hallowed is another word for holy, as you said. So it's the night of the holy saints, and it got shortened to Halloween. I don't know how they get from All Hallows Evening to Halloween, but anyway. The ritual of costumed children going door-to-door for trick-or-treat started when, do you think? Mm, 1900s. Good. 1920s in the United States. It grew in popularity, and it was only for children. Then in the 1930s, companies started marketing and advertising costumes because America knows capitalism very well. Advertising. Yeah. Do you know what costumes were the most popular at first? Ghosts and witches. Oh, my God. That's exactly right. Yes. You're a genius. I'm a genius. But soon other costumes started to appear. Any ideas about what costumes would have appeared in the 1930s? Sexy candy. (laughs) Sexy toothbrush. (laughs) Little Orphan Annie. Ooh, not, not sexy little, but this is, <laughs> this is for children. Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Popeye. Oh, these fun. costumes were licensed and made money for the people who own these brands. Oh. In the 1960s, other costumes started to appear. It's so depressing. It's like, and another tradition brought to you by capitalism. Yeah. You're like, oh. It's, uh. And now it's like a, oh God, I just saw this on Shark Tank. They were saying it's like a $7 billion industry. Ooh. It's crazy. My God. You know, all sorts of shit. Any ideas about the costumes that appeared in the 60s? Again, four children. Four children? I would say, oh no, Star Wars, that's too early. Uh-huh. For children. Close, though. What was, uh, what was big in the 60s? E.T.? 
What was E.T.? What was E.T.? <laughs> what was E.T.? Like 82 oh, sorry. or something? Oh, my God. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then I revert to knowing nothing. Um, Basically, anything that happened before you were like, Whatever. It's all lumped together. The yeah. Godfather? I don't know. Well, um, Okay. What was the Brady Bunch? Uh, that's that 70s. That's 70s. Oh, my God. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> the Beatles. Oh, awesome. And the Apollo astronauts. Oh. Then in the 70s, adults started dressing up too, particularly on comp- college campuses. Yeah. And now it's huge. For instance, you mentioned how much are they going to spend this year on Halloween? Seven billion. Seven billion. It's been estimated Crazy. around there. Yeah. Crazy. Um, as a reference, Americans spend about half a trillion on Christmas and Valentine's Day, they they spend nineteen billion. So on the scale of the different hol- hol- holidays in America, Good Lord, it's actually not that high. Compared, so ridiculous. Yeah, considering you you spend five hundred billion dollars on Christmas, you only spend seven or eight billion on Halloween. Okay, well, let's get into the psychology of of Halloween. Why do we love Halloween? Well, number one, we get to satisfy our suppressed wishes. We get to act out forbidden desires. We get to play with aggression and murder. We get to scare people and feel powerful. And we get to play with gender. Okay, pause. What do you think? I was a sexy girl one year for Halloween, and I just want to get that out. Yeah. How'd that go? It was really funny, but now I look back on it, and I'm like, oh, God, really? Yeah. How did it feel to embody a sexy girl? It's, uh, you know what? I was actually, I was writing about it and I was like, you know what? It's because women are so slut shamed outside of Halloween. You're not allowed to like enjoy your sexuality. And then for Halloween, it's like this free pass to just be purely sexy something. And that's why I think I did it. And that's why it's fun. Cause you're like, you can't call me slutty like it's halloween you know yeah but now it's like you know you see so many of like so many of the sexy costumes are just out of it's like out of control but yet i participated in it at some point in my life i'm going as sexy han solo (laughs) we were talking about sexy ghost and someone had put just like a a white sheet on and then a bikini over it (laughs) (laughs) Right. So you experienced that firsthand where you wanted to, ex- you, you, all your 364 of the other days, there's a part of you that is not being expressed in a way that you want it to. Yeah. And then this one day you get to let it all out. That is absolutely a purpose for Halloween. Number yes. two, more specifically, we get to be sexual. So not only do we get to express aggressive urges and other kinds of urges, but we also get to express sexual urges. Number three, we get to relieve our loneliness. We are profoundly lonely and it's only getting worse with more people working more and more home entertainment and larger homes. On Halloween, we get to interact with other people and we get to be drunk and say, I love you, man. Right? Can you see that as a possible reason why we love Halloween so much? Yeah. And you know what else it is? There's a lowering of... So there's a kind of vulnerability too to Halloween. Like I I got super dressed up three years ago when I started at an office and like no one like everyone was miserable in this office so no one else dressed up and I was like a few people like kind of dressed up but morale was so low. I think you can tell a company's morale on Halloween. That's what I think. Interesting. Because there's a kind of vulnerability you are putting a lot of effort into something that you hope kind of pleases other people and people like it. And yeah. so it's like this silly time when people are a little bit more open to connection, I think. Right. Right. You let your guard down a little bit. Because mm-hmm. when you dress up in a costume, you want other people to react to it. Yeah. You want everyone to react to it. Number four, we want to be free. We almost have no freedom in our society. We have to dress a certain way. We have to go to work on time. We can't say certain things. And, but on Halloween, we're free to dress and act however we want. 
Can you see that as a reason why we love Halloween? Mm -hmm. Number five, we get to work on raising our low (laughs) self-esteem. Most of us suffer from low self-esteem to some degree, and we get to identify with someone that we want to internalize. Han Solo has no problems with his self-esteem, and when I put on his costume, I can internalize his sense of bravado and his his high self-esteem. Does that make sense? Yeah. And also dressing up is really fun. You, know, you do it as a kid. It's like one of, it's almost like a kind of artistic expression that we do as a kid, but then you completely stop doing it as an adult. Hmm. I always thought being an actor would be fun because you can kind of try on all these different identities. And so I think that'd be part of the fun. I'm going to add that as another reason. Number 10, artistic expression. I like it. It would take an artist for, to remind me of that. <laughs> Number six, we get to act out our alcoholism. <laughs> Many people have urges to binge drink. Oh. And on Halloween, we get to drink as much as we want. Yeah, that's true. People get wasted on Halloween. Same as like St. Patty's Day, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Number seven, we get to return to childhood and not grow old. As children, we internalized Halloween as involving togetherness and candy and attention and love. And as adults, we don't want to die, so we keep living on as children, and Halloween gives us that opportunity. Number eight, we get to distract ourselves from the boredom of our lives. Many of us are bored out of our minds, and this breaks the monotony. Number nine, we get to face our own deaths in a socially acceptable way. We have almost no ways of facing our own mortality in our culture, and Halloween offers us the opportunity to, to face death and to face horror in a socially acceptable way, in a fun way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. We have no way of talking about death in our society. We have no way of talking about the fact that we'll all be dead one day. And Halloween is like the one place where you can possibly even talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right. So psychological. So, so just to review, um, we get to satisfy suppressed wishes. More specifically, we get to be sexual. We get to relieve our loneliness. We get to be free. We get to work on our low self-esteem. We get to act out our alcoholism. We get to return to childhood and not grow old. We get to distract ourselves from the boredom of life. We get to face our own deaths in a socially acceptable way. And we get to express our inner creativity and our inner artist. So let's go into the psychological research. Uh, In 1976, there was a study here in Seattle. The researchers secretly observed the behavior of of more than a thousand trick-or-treaters at at 27 homes in Seattle. I was alive then. I wonder if I was involved in this. Inside the doorway of each house was one bowl filled with candy and one bowl filled with pennies and nickels. Back then, pennies and nickels actually meant something. When the trick-or-treaters arrived, a researcher would answer the door and chat with the children. The researcher would sometimes ask for their names and sometimes not. The researcher would tell the kids that they could only take one candy apiece. Then the researcher would announce that she had to return to her work in the other room. So essentially, the researcher comes to the door and says, look, there's a bowl of candy and there's a bowl of change. You can only take one piece of candy. And with half the kids, they say, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name's Jenny. Oh, hi, Jenny. And with half the kids, they they wouldn't ask the name. And then the researcher would bounce to the other room, and then they would watch through a peephole and see what the kids would do. So who stole more, the anonymous kids or the non-anonymous kids? I would definitely say the anonymous kids. Right. Exactly. How much more did they steal? Twice as much. Three times as much. <gasps> Those little bastards. There was another group that they, that they separated in terms of some kids came to the door as a group, and some kids came to the door solo. Which group stole more the gr- mm. the groups or the solo maybe solo but i could see an argument for both the groups <gasps> how much more did you think they stole three times as much two times damn it yeah, that's close 
it's interesting, you know, it's like you would, you know, yeah, you could see Solo stealing more because you're alone, but you could see a group being like, come on, let's steal. So apparently anonymous groups of kids are the most terrible people. Another study in 1979, similar study design, the kids were told to take only two pieces of candy. And there were two groups of kids that they studied. There were masked children, so kids that came to the door with masks on their face, and kids that came with costumes without masks on their face. Who stole more? Definitely people with masks. Yeah. How much more do you think? I would do three times again. Two times. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Another study involving alcohol and drugs Uh uh, on Halloween in 93 involving over 1,000 college students. So there are two groups. There were costumed college students and non-costumed college students on Halloween night. Who drank more on Halloween? Costumed. Absolutely. Two other groups. Those who wore costumes in groups and those who wore costumes that were unrelated to their friends. Oh. Who, grew, who, who used more drugs, not alcohol? In groups. Yes. Why, why do you think that is, though? Yeah, but because you kind of like it's another way of losing your identity. Uh, it's another way of blending into the crowd and not really being seen and feeling like you can get away with something. So yeah, the, the people, like if you all went as Star Wars characters, those people used more drugs than the other people. Mm. It's kind of weird. Uh, 2012 study. There, have you heard of enclosed cognition? Have you heard of this before? I have not. It is the process in which your clothes affect your brain processes. That is so interesting. I want to talk about that more some other time because I wear jeans. I've decided that is a rule for my life. So any job I get, I want to wear jeans. And my good friend was talking about how when you put a suit on kids, they, they act different. Right. And so when you put a suit on adults, maybe they act more professional or get more done. Exactly. An example of that is people who wore doctor's coats, even if they're not a doctor, they performed better on attention and memory tasks. And surgery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they perform better surgery. Right. So we totally do this. When, when you dress up in a suit. Wow. Okay. I'm being proved wrong here. Shit. Your brain operates differently oh, in general man. than if you were walking around in sweats. It, you know. Oh, I don't want to hear that because... When I worked from home for nine months, one of the things I saw about being productive at home was like, dress as if you would when you're going to work. And I was like, no, that's yeah. why I want to work from home. Well, but my friend was like, yeah, you really actually should. Well, it depends. And, and I'm, I'm sure it's individualistic as well or idiosyncratic to the individual it, is that uh, it's not as if, you know, like there might be a number of factors that come into play. It's like if you dress up in a fancy, you know, I don't know what you'd wear to work as a woman, like a pantsuit or something. Like a glittery gown type yeah. thing with a train, right. probably. Yeah, that's fancy. No, so, I... Okay, those like stupid black pants. Ugh, hate those. That always they're, are like getting too tight. <laughs> like polyester. Just polyester, terrible pants and some kind of blouse. Blouse. That makes you sweat. I mean, I like to look nice. But so, so it could go either way, right? You could, yeah. it, by wearing that, you could be sort of more, I don't know, time conscious or more task oriented, right? And you're not going to, you're not going to be as relaxed. But on the other hand, your brain might be kind of uptight and not able to think clearly or creatively. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it, it depends. But the idea is, is that in general, when they study people, they find that when they wear different outfits, they perform differently on cognitive tasks. That's so interesting. And so with Halloween, we dress up in different outfits. And so our brain will act differently. And maybe we dress up in different outfits to gain that different mindset. You know what I mean? So it's like how you feel about yourself affects how you dress, but then also how you dress affects how you feel about yourself. Exactly. You are what you dress. (gasps) 
Another study in 2003, this study investigated whether children who... Uh, whether children would choose toys over candy when offered both at Halloween. Okay, wait. I just I realized that I have cupcake socks on. You do. You do have cupcake socks. So what does that say about who I am? Uh, that I like yeah. cupcakes. That I like to be silly. Does it make you more silly? Yeah, I think having silly socks on is always fun. So, I always aim to have silly socks. So if you have silly socks, it makes you funnier, probably. Maybe that's why I wear them here. Yeah. So <laughs> they gave seven households the opportunity to give trick or treaters the choice between toys or candies and what do you think the children choose more toys or more candy if they're given the choice at halloween hmm toys trick question same oh. what do you, was there a gender difference i don't think so there was not yes the implication is that we should offer toys to children because they they want toys just hmm. as much as they want candy and it won't make them fat yeah a study <laughs> in 2014 uh, that I read talked about other research and found that only 9% of costumes were gender neutral for both children and adults. I saw this on a What Would You Do? They had a child in the store saying they wanted a costume that was aimed at the other gender and they asked adults, like, what would you do? And it was nice to see people who were like, just wear whatever you want. Yeah, but what's being marketed to us is 91% of costumes are geared toward one gender or the other. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, something to contemplate, right? Also, what percentage did they find that girls' costumes had a, fl- or women's, adult women's costumes had a flirty edge to oh, it? Oh, God. You mean sexy, sexy pencil. <laughs> <laughs> what percentage? What percentage? Oh, God. I think like 75. 95. Oh, my God. That's basically. Every costume marketed towards women has a flirty edge. All to right, it. I have to write about this. I it's too late for this year. Next year, I'm gonna have a, I'll have a sexy costume essay prepared. So not only are 91 percent of costumes for women geared to women, do you know what I mean? But the vast majority are sexy. So of so the vast majority of costumes available and marketed to women are sexy something. Sexy, sexy you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And that wasn't true before. It's right? just so funny when like it's the sexy, it's the unsexiest costume made sexy and like wedged in like sexy boot. You know, it's just <laughs> remind me next July to write a sexy costume essay for Halloween. She's making a mental note. Making a Siri note. I love how you can set reminders for like a year from now. It's so fun. I like. It's like a little present that I left for myself. Like, I don't know, like sexy Donald Trump or sexy ISIS warrior or something. All right. So let's, let's power through some stats. Let me ask you, what's the average amount spent on Halloween this year? $7 billion. Average per person? 60 93 Pretty good. $93? That's crazy. Yeah, that's average, remember. Right. So poor people are spending like $0 and richer people are spending like yeah. five, $500. I bought two sheets of printable... Temporary tattoo paper that I'm going to put tattoos on and print and put temporary Oh, what are you tattoos. going as? Just a tattoo artist or something. You're going as a tattooed person? As a tattooed person. People were like, you didn't dress up. It's Seattle. Everyone's covered in tattoos. Yeah. But it, it's, that for me, like I really want to get a bunch more tattoos, but I have this problem where I get a tattoo and then it immediately becomes really cliche. And I have two that have become a cliche and I cannot have a third strike. You're out. Yep. So I really want to get another tattoo, but I'm so scared that the second I get a tattoo, it's going to be like two seconds later, everyone gets it. So how two seconds later, like Kim Kardashian gets it and then everyone else gets it. Halloween allows you to 
express this inner desire without committing to that lifestyle or changing my identity. What are your two cliche tattoos? Oh, God. I well, let have... me ask. Tramp stamp? Yep. Okay. Does it look like the typical tramp, tramp I stamp? I went to the University of Florida. It was required for graduation. Okay. Let me ask you another one. Uh, some sort of script, like a poem. Yeah. Yep. Well, Inspirational forearm tattoo. What does it say? Um, so <laughs> I got it. I got, I based it off this local band song. Uh, and it was awesome. It was a song about just like being a fuck up and having fun. And I wanted it. I wanted it to like remind me of like the feeling of being free and Peace Corps and like living the life that I want. Is it and under your armpit? No, it's in my forearm. Oh, well, that's and different. So it says, uh, you only live once. And then a month, literally, I've looked this up a month later, the Drake song came out, the YOLO song. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, do, when people see it now, do they think you're being ironic because uh, it's such a meme now? I know, right? I know, and it's like it like makes like, I'm getting like hot and embarrassed talking about it. <laughs> and but then I'll look at it, and it's really pretty, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck, like, it's, all right, well, like you only live once. I almost want to get a semicolon after it. Number one, because like semicolon is kind of this um, sign of like dealing with mental struggles or. Um, so for like my anxiety and also kind of like you only live once like semicolon then like what are you going to fill it in with like so what so what are you going to do now uh, but I'm scared to do anything else because I just I'm going to make what, it do worse. you have any ideas um, they're really cl- like the ideas that I have are cliche already and I just like them um, I love dahlias I'd love to get a dahlia tattoo that's totally cliche um, I love I would love to get like a whale a beautiful whale tattoo okay where um, like I picture, so this is really based off someone else's that I saw that was so amazing. And it was like, she had it on her arm on the outside and I would want it probably on my forearm, but it's just like, picture a whale that is going straight up and it's coming out of the water. So it shows the whale entirely in the water and then the surface of the water as a line and then mm. the other part of the whale above the water. And then it has all these beautiful clouds and, um, Sounds like a big one. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, there's this really like this beauty and I'm five foot 10 and like stout. I'm a stout lady. And so I've always felt like really big, you know? And so for me, it's almost like this beautiful whale thing of just being like this big, beautiful animal. <laughs> being like, I don't know. I feel like a big ass whale, but that's, there's still beauty in that, you know? I think that'd be cool. We'll see. I, whale I tattoos are getting pretty cliche though. Um, I can't imagine that becoming a cliche, you know, of a, a whale coming out of the, you know what I mean? It's too, it yeah. sounds too specific. Yeah. Plus it's a lot to commit to for a lot of people. I have a friend who has all these really silly tattoos. Like she doesn't give a shit. She's half Japanese. So she got half of a Japanese flag. <laughs> and then she has, I think she literally has pigs flying or no, it's cats flying and like a few pigs or something. I don't know. All these just silly tattoos. And I'm like, you're such a badass. I would way overthink it. And then it would like, blow up my face anyway. That's my style. So tomorrow you're going to dress up and you're normally, and you're just going to put a bunch of tattoos on your body. I think so yeah. Sexy tattoos. No, like silly ones. Like one I wanted, but are you going to dress like up a in a narwhal, sexy outfit? Like a narwhal. No, I'm not going to dress up in a sexy outfit. Okay. So you're going to be one of those. I'll probably have a black tank top with like a chest tattoo and all these other tattoos. And then just like jeans and a black tank top. That sounds kind of sexy ish. Right? Oh, it's sexy ish. You're showing skin. I would really love to look sexy in a black tank top. I do not. You don't? Like uh, my like where my armpit meets my other <laughs> parts is like a little <laughs> What about would mini- your boyfriend say you're sexy in a black tank top? I like to believe my boyfriend would say I'm always sexy, but 
that's my own that's like your boyfriend you know <laughs> you would hope your boyfriend would think you're sexy although he's come home when i've been like working from home all day and seen my like descent into madness like i have leopard pajama pants on and so he's seen me at my worst but i would like to think that he would still say looking good well you should dress up in this and walk around and say do i look like sexy tattoo girl <laughs> or just totally unrelated non-sexy tattoo girl if you're listening to this and you want to please sexy tattoo girl you want to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com have we not introduced the podcast yet no we didn't this is a psychology in seattle podcast i'm your host dr kirk honda i am chair of the couple and family therapy program at antioch university seattle and i'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist i'm paulette perhatch writer non-sexy cliched tattoo girl with many halloween regrets lurking in my soul and where can they find you online so i'm on twitter at uh at paulette perhatch p-e-r-h-a-c-h i quote things that i'm reading provide book recommendations tweet silly things that i think and that's mostly it so if you want to become a patron of the podcast and get access to our exclusive episodes you want to go to patreon.com and pledge a certain amount of funds each month what kind of halloween regrets do you have Oh, being sexy girl. Like what? What else? Um, one time I dressed up as a man and I put this stuff on my face that makes you look like you have a five o'clock shadow and I darkened and thickened my eyebrows. Did it start to run? And no, I mean, I literally look like a man. I walked up to someone I had dated for two years and he did not recognize me. I looked like a man dressed up as a woman, which is what I was going for. <laughs> Crazy. And it was a little scary, a little too scary. What do you mean? Like, I really looked like a guy. Oh, and there's something wrong with that because you're like, shouldn't well, I always look like a woman? I think Sh- that, shouldn't my femininity always be glowing? Yeah, up? and it was like not. And I had like stuffed my bra in this really awkward way that made it look like I had fake boobs. And, you know, you just want to think that people will always, well, this is a very like cis thing. That's a new term I've learned when you continue to express the gender you're born with. It's a very cis thing, but you hope sometimes as a lady that people always know you're a lady deep down. Right. Um, no, I went yeah. to a party a couple of years ago and a friend of mine, same thing, but she, she dressed up as a man, man. Uh-huh. And I was a hundred percent convinced he was, she's a tall, she's like six, six, one, you know? Uh-huh. And I was just like, holy crap. What an amazing, uh, what an amazing, uh, outfit. What an amazing man you are. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for like 10, 20 minutes, I thought he was just a guy, random dude hanging out with us at this party. And then, and then like after a while I was like, oh my God, it's you. Anyway. Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Take care of yourself out there. And one little tip on Halloween. Please do not traumatize other people because <laughs> it's a thing on Halloween to like prank people or to freak them out. And actually, you can give people PTSD. So One, one little tip. Please do not traumatize anyone. Yeah. Pranks can go too far, people. It's not a good. It's it's funny to some extent, but it can actually alter people's brains, and then they end up in therapy for five months trying to correct for it. So I mean, you should. That's like you know. That's how you get business. So I don't know if you should really. Okay, people traumatize traumatize people out there so that I get more business. Yes, and please take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Traumatize others. Take care of yourself. Traumatize others because you deserve it. You deserve it. And drink responsibly, or don't.